0: This is Small Business Conversations on PBN, brought to you by Profits Plus Solutions. Increasing your profits, plus building your business for the future. We are Profits Plus. You can find us at profitsplus.org. This is Small Business Conversations on PBN, the Profitable Business Network. Now, the host of Small Business Conversations, principal of Profits Plus Solutions, here is Tom Shea.
1: <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. Bad way to start the program. Good night, everyone. Tom Shea, thank you for coming and being with us. Glad you could join the conversations for tonight. <coughs> we are here tonight on um, Thursday, April 25th. This is a program that we do every month. I've been doing for somewhere about 10 years, Small Business Conversations makes a point to go out and find experts in various aspects of business, small business management that can be of help to you, folks that you might not otherwise find, but folks who are very talented, have a lot of great information, and tonight is no exception. Let's take care of the details. Of the program tonight it will be on our profitsplus.org website, available in two formats. The first one is that it will be in an MP3 format that you can simply download to your phone or if someone still has an iPod out there wandering around or you can click and listen on the profitsplus.org website to listen to the program there. Small Business Conversations is also available on a lot of podcast services including Anchor, Apple Podcast, Breaker, Castbox, Google Play, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Podbean, Radio Public, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, Apple HomePod, and Google Home, all the different formats that you can get to listen to it. And it will be on the website somewhat a bit, just as soon as our information stud, Bruce Giroux, has massaged the material, put it together in the right format, and uh, reloaded back up to the website for everyone's convenience. We're glad to have you join us. It's a great program tonight. Uh, let's see, let's introduce who we're going to have tonight and explain why
2: we want this person to talk to
1: So we picked that song by John Lennon. The title of the song is Imagine. And uh, so some people would look at it and think, ooh, thinking's a little radical out there. Well, that's kind of how I see our guest, except I see our guest with his radical thinking as uh, kind of being ahead of the curve in, in what he does. So let's make sure he's there, and then I'll tell you how I know this fine man. Steve Drake, you with me, my friend? I'm
2: here, Here, Tom.
1: And how are things in Fort Myers, Florida, today?
2: Oh, it's been awesome. Great weather, April, May here. Really good, really, really good.
1: But we have to make sure we get the program taken care of because, as we were visiting beforehand, Steve has to uh, listen to his St. Louis Blues play hockey (laughs) later tonight, and that's uh, that's Uh, a half hour or so after the show. So yeah, Yeah, go go Blues. So yeah, let me man. tell everybody how I met Steve Drake. Um, S- Steve started early in life um, working for the Associated Press, uh, spe- speaking as a person from the uh, SEC part of the country, and even as Steve is there. Uh, Steve is a... Um, Uh, A guy from the Big Ten, Ohio State, but we forgive him for that. We welcome him to to the Deep South and being here. um, Steve was on the very first Ohio State University hockey team. Mike, do I remember that correctly? Yes,
2: true. That was a long time ago.
1: But I remember seeing the picture or the wall at Ohio State where they had your names of all the original players for the team uh, in your your hockey arena. I remember seeing a picture of that one. And Steve worked for the Associated Press for a number of years, and I have, as I guess, all of us at some point get dragged into someone who wants to have a discussion about politics one way or another. And I have quoted Steve many a time, as he said when we were reporters, we were allowed to say, this person said and gave a direct quote without all the adjectives that people throw into it. But somehow or another, Steve wandered off and got into association management, which is what precedes our conversation tonight as to how that happened and what occurred when he got into it and the revelations that he had. And He had a company by the name of Drake Co. in St. Louis, or in the St. Louis area. And with multiple of his clients, I've had the opportunity over the years to be involved. Uh, Let's see, within the last year or so, I had the opportunity to introduce Steve to an organization, um, an organization of multiple wholesalers across North America. And he was facilitating a, a meeting for them uh, to help them understand what's supposed to be going on. Um, is that kind of a quick summary of you, Steve?
2: It is. One thing that seems appropriate with the intro song is that the uh, theme of my drinking company was making dreams fly. all okay. Oh, I'm that's right. I talk. forgot about that. <laughs> I sort of forgot. The last song yet. So. And that's all we decided to do was make dreams fly for, uh, for the associations we manage, but also for the staff that worked with us.
1: And he did have quite a stellar staff. Uh, I have the opportunity of working with lots of association management companies, and without naming any of them, uh, Muir's was the top one. Great people on target, knew what they were doing, very professional in what they did uh, and an added bonus was such that every time you called it was not a whole new staff that was there <clears throat> you had some very loyal employees uh, i think particularly of Brian and Rick and Pam mm-hmm. you know great people to work with and any so are listening sorry if i didn't think you're meant to name you but I, those three particularly uh, stick in my mind as being great folks. Yeah, I was So blessed. here's where we're, you were, well, you were blessed, but let's say when any business has a bunch of good employees, it's not luck. Something happens. Something's going on that a business has great employees.
2: Yeah, it is. I think one of the things that fits for tonight is, I never planned on running my own business or owning a company. And uh man they're it's different. It's a whole lot different than being an employee. And um, you know having a group of staff is really important to the business. Uh, but knowing what your business is all about is also important.
1: And and those are the areas that we wanna we want to look at is, you know, what's the business about? What do you really do? And having good people. I had the opportunity yesterday to work with a a group of of people within uh, two businesses, same owner. And we were in agreement uh, that the um, products they sold, services they provided, were the same as many others. And it was going to come down to the attitude and the way the people performed – and the things that they did, as to what was going to make a difference between them and anyone else that's a, a competitor. So, Steve, tell us. Um, we, we've had some discussions about this, and we know we want to try to get to all of your your ten points that we told people that was the Steve's ten tips for small business success. But if you would tell us a bit about you know how it came to be that you wrote this, and. What your experiences were?
2: Yeah, you know, plan, maybe a good starting point is well, I was an employee at the Soybean Association. Thank my oldest brother was an orthodontist, and we used to on fishing trips talk about things. I never could figure out some of the issues he was having until all of a sudden I had my own business, and then I realized, oh, he was talking about. And one of them was the, answering the question, what business you were in. And he talked about when he was in school, both as a dentist and then as an orthodox, all I did really was teach him how to, how to straighten teeth. And it didn't teach him anything about how to run the practice, how to run your business. And one of the things he realized, was, what I do is straighten teeth, but the business I'm in is happy smiles. And so everything he did was focused on, I'm about making your smile better. In fact, his car license plate was Smile Maker. had a boat called Smile Maker. And he orientated his staff about what we're doing is making nice smiles for people by straightening their teeth. And it made me think that's why we came up with a Making Dreams Fly. And um, you got to figure out what's, what not what you do but what business you're in and what's the end result of what it is you're doing. And you and I talked the client you mentioned uh we had a strategic plan, and the question became, you know, what business are you in? And they said, well, we're, we're, a, we're, manu- we're a manufacturing company. And I said, no, 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 that's what you do. What, what business are you in? And really, the business they were in was making success of independent garden centers, and the wholesalers have provided served them. If you don't help that end user of your product, you may not be in the manufacturing business very long.
1: And, and yet, we see the answer that you got as being the most prevalent thing out there. I, in a related industry, I spoke to the head of a, an association of wholesalers earlier today and asked him what was going to occur at their big fall meeting and it's going to be a parade of manufacturers of which the manufacturers are being charged a nice chunk to get to be at this resort in florida and shake hands and see the keys to the people you know what we're doing we're having a drink we're talking and Hey, here's my new products. I want want you to start stocking my products and offering them to, in their industry, the retailers. But what I'm not seeing is they're not teaching the retailer how to be a good retailer. I see this in service industries. I see people that what we are doing is teaching them how to be very good technically at things like selling products, providing services, but we're not teaching them how to run a business. And that's kind of what they're there for. Is I've, Someone has got to be the one to teach me how do I run this business. Uh, one of the worst examples is pharmacist. And the last 20 years, I have met one pharmacist who, in all their years of pharmacy school, had taken one course – that was related to business, and yet each of them own a business of which the products they sell are pharmaceutical, but they never went to school to learn how to be the business owner they are.
2: That's, that's a big, huge challenge, especially for small businesses. Um, you know, the other problem related to that is you are so busy doing the work that you don't take enough time to run your business. Uh, you know, I, I I remember. And by the way, I cherry picked a lot of information from colleagues that were like owners of an advertising agency, uh, owner of another association management company to learn what's going on. And one of the ones he said, "You know what? You're in the service business, so most of your costs are staff." And he said, "If you don't ever let your cost of your staff, the total cost of staff, not just salary." exceed 60% of your total expenses because if you do, you're not going to be making any money. And I had to, that was a big component the monitor and watch. Um, I, I had a, again, part of the run in the business side, I, I had a, my business staff gave me every week on a Friday, at the close of Friday, how much cash was in the bank, not just of me, but of each of my clients because we managed their money too. Uh, so you had to monitor because you got costs coming in every day, every week, and you need to have enough cash to run that. So You've got those things. Um, the other one that helped me a lot was knowing what your actual staff costs are. And so uh, in my case, it was about two and a half times salary because besides salary, you had... Uh, federal unemployment, state unemployment, health insurance, uh, retirement like a 401K or a simple program, and and then you have to remember people, a well, 40-hour week is 2,080 hours a year, but your, your staff isn't billing or doing client work or customer work 40 hours a They've they're got coffee breaks, and they got vacation, and they got sick leave. So you can't assume that that total cost of a staffer is going to be divided by 2,080 hours, more like 1,500 or 1,600 hours. And those are just some of the
1: business. No. So you've got two numbers taxes. that are wrong. You've got the number of hours wrong, and then you've got the, uh, if you don't put all those um, taxes and insurances and benefits and things that you put in there, then you don't have a real cost of what that in-person is. Correct.
2: Now, I, did, I used to share this with my staff because the challenges I had was to get my staff to think like an owner. I realized it's probably not possible, but I gave them an example of a $30,000 salaried person making 30000 So then, you know, with all the costs, it's more like sixty five or 70000 is what that costs in the company, and I said, think about if we take fifteen-minute break every day, just waste fifteen minutes, you know, talking about the St. Louis Blues game or whatever. I said if you oh, total important. that all, up, yeah, but if you total that all, up, that's about three thousand dollars a year that of no revenue for that for a staffer at thirty thousand dollars. And I said, I'm not trying to tell you you shouldn't have fun, you shouldn't enjoy each other, but you should be mindful of the value of your time to the company and to the clients.
1: And then when you're talking, as you say, you're talking about the the blues game. Well, you're not talking to yourself. There's at least one or two other people. So that cost that you just described is now multiplied by the number of people participating in the conversations.
2: Right. Or how much time does it take away from this for uh, for the football pool that after your staff participates in? You know, or a, super, or a, or a March Madness. I think somebody calculated how much lost time there is to uh, to, to March Madness stuff. And again, it's the key to remember as a business owner: time is money.
1: Well, I've, and that's for a lot of folks, that's what they are selling, particularly service people. You are selling some expertise in there, but you're also selling time of your, your manpower.
2: Correct, correct. And and as an so owner, you need to be able to track those hours and where they're going and how much it's costing.
1: And if you don't, then you wind up getting in yourself into some kind of financial trouble.
2: Right, and as a small business owner, that financial trouble starts with you taking a lower salary or not getting paid or whatever because, you know, that's what you do as an owner or going out of business.
1: Yeah. So let's tackle our, our first question. We we hit on it for a moment, but can you expand some more? I think it's so important the difference between the businesses that, you're, that you are in and what it is that you do.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I, I gave the example of my brother that also so. His what what he did was straighten teeth. The business he was in is making smiles for people that had teeth that didn't look good. you, know, you see the ads, uh, I was afraid to smile because my teeth were so bad or so or so was crooked or whatever. And so in the business he was in, was straight and teeth. What he did was give those people these files. Then the, the manufacturing company, their business, what they did was manufacture and sell products. But the end result was they had somebody to be able to buy those products, which means that the business they're in is, is um, creating solutions for customers to help them be successful in their business so that they can buy the products that these, this company offers. And it's, I just think it's a subtle difference, but if you only focus on what you do, then everybody's, you, you're a commodity. And you got today, especially, especially with the big boxes and the chains and the online um, purchasing and free shipment and all that stuff, you really gotta stand out and you gotta differentiate yourself differentiate yourself from your competitors. And that you know, time's a real key thing. Competitors and who are your customers. Uh, when I've worked with small retailers, they usually say, Oh, those darn big boxes and you know, the big boxes are your competition. Your competition is time and money. And so they can save time by going to the big box store. You're going to have to figure out how to reverse that. One of the ways you do that is you have somebody, if you're a hardware store, yeah, somebody there to answer questions. The question. There's a knock on, knock on the big get You have know, somebody that's there for a week or two or a month or two in face. That they have trouble figuring out
1: what which how you need to go to I think and uh, let me throw two examples into steve 's point that I, uh, I remember having written about years ago, and uh, one of them occurred in St Petersburg right up the road from Steve and one company was the was the local gas company, and they were wanting to promote cooking with gas, putting gas in your home and putting gas in your in your business. And a big user of gas would be a restaurant. And to promote the idea to get someone to try it, they set up in their building on the north side of St. Petersburg a kitchen, big beautiful kitchen. And the offer to anyone in a restaurant was bring your chefs to us I've got plenty of ingredients here for you I've got pots, pans, and all kinds of things might not have the exact ones they're going to use they can welcome to bring theirs as too but I want you to bring your folks here and have them test cook sample how it's done here and What I read was this was a wonderful promotion that they did because they understood the business that they were in. They were in the business of helping someone whose job was preparing meals as compared to just saying, we sell gas. And then the second one I remember was a a company that did pool enclosures. Okay, Big item in Florida. Your insurance companies love you when you put an enclosure around your pool to to get rid of the hazard of someone walking into it. And a young couple, uh, a three-year-old child, decided they wanted a security fence around the pool. Had a company come out and design it. They said, okay. The company came in, put in the pool fencing as was designed, as the, the parents had approved, and thought they were done. Only thing was the couple discovered there was a problem and there was a way the child could get still inside this little pool fence. It only goes up like four feet tall. The sad part was the people who were installing the fence argued this was the design and you approved it and you're getting what you paid for. And the parents are saying, no, you're not understanding. See, you're trying to sell us a fence we're trying to buy peace of mind yeah. and the product the way it is initially is not sufficient and the fence company and at this point you know it's going to be a losing argument but there's st- no we sold you what you ordered exactly that uh, this i see is, is steve's point you know what do you do well and what business are you in well these, this was a company who did not understand that what they were in the business of doing is giving peace of mind to people for small children around a pool. They thought all they did was install fences.
2: And, Tom, if they would not listened to the customer, they could have created a fence that was more safe for kids and made a lot more money selling a lot more fences because now it's something that works, not just something to put on
1: that's it. So let me tell everybody, our guest tonight is Steve Drake. Good friend for many years. And Steve is found online at scdgroup.net. His email is steve at scdgroup.net. And for a person who is just awesome at helping someone understand their focus in their business, I highly recommend my friend. So let me take a, a little five-second pause, and we will come right back, and we're going to get right into
0: Steve's list of uh, ten items. For this small is small, small Business, business Conversations on PBN, the Profitable Business Network.
1: So Steve has prepared, it's up on his, uh, his website, scdgroup.net, uh, a, a list Here's a person who's sharing with us tonight who has lots and lots of years of experience and he says, I've got a list of 10 here. Um, So, what would you call this list of 10, Steve? How how do you want to describe it?
2: Oh, boy. You know what? It was like 10 tips came to me when I was thinking about this topic and trying to think through, you know, when I was an owner of a company, I mean, now I'm a one-person consultant, but when I had a staff of 30 or whatever some of the issues that i dealt with and i so to me it's things just refreshers for some people but maybe there's something in there that sparks a light in some other business owners um one one of the points was talking about using the internet and big data when you were talking about the swimming pool company let me think about that um one of the really good speakers out there uh spoke at a content marketing conference and he was Owned a swimming pool company, so it was an in-ground, below-ground, concrete pool company. And during the financial crash, she said, "Guess what happens to swimming pool companies?" He said I lost seven or eight contracts to build pools worth hundred thousand dollars. He said I could project I was going to be bankrupt within three about three or four months. So he stopped advertising and started blogging. And. He said, so I sat my staff down and said, what are the, what are the three biggest questions you get from co- potential customers? And, well, the number one was, how much does it cost? So he did a blog on how much swimming pools, how much does it cost. He used the same information but with a different headline, which was, what's your price? And he, he was able to track over a million dollars in sales to that one blog. And one of the things that got into the blogging, one of the ones that really intrigued me was uh, he was in the Delmarva area on the East Coast, and he decided they wanted to start building pools, have a business, their business extend to Richmond, Virginia. So one of his blogs was the top ten pool companies in Richmond, Virginia. And those of us in the audience said, but wait a minute, you didn't build pools in Richmond, Virginia. He said, I did not. But everybody was looking for pool companies in Richmond, Virginia came to my website because of my blog. And that's how I built the business of Richmond, Virginia. It was just by blogging and I think, you know, again it's back that we're so busy running our business we forget to do something simple as a blog. And by the way the key to the blog is it's to answer questions of your customers or your potential customers, not to brag about how great you are. You know, be the answer person. And they'll come to you. And when they come to you, he had like 80% conversion if they looked at like five of his blogs or more. They were guaranteed to be a thing. So you need to look at what's out there. Uh, For example, uh, if you've ever bought anything through Amazon, you know that you get reminders that because you like this, you might really like this. It's a way to push sales. And the other day, my wife got a, a note like that from Bed Bath & Beyond. And it said, Barbara, stop sharing your pillow with hidden critters. <laughs> and uh, it was sort of interesting because she'd been talking about not liking her pillow and a new pillow. And it wasn't until that post came through her email that she said, we ought to go over and get a new pillow. So you need to, I mean, you got to, especially today, uh, you need to look at social media and blogs and internet as a way to drive business a way to solve problems that lead to people coming to you to for your business so his
1: statistic i mean i'm i'm writing it down is fairly astounding that he has an 80% closing rate when he goes out and gives a bid if that customer has read five or more of his blog posts. Yes.
2: Again, all his blog posts aimed at a potential question has about a swimming pool. Another example he gave me was um, he did a post on which is better, a fiberglass pool or a concrete pool. and, And he was pretty fair about it, but it gave, you know, Today, most people go to Google to get answers. You need to be in the front page of Google searches, and the best way to do that is something like a blog post, directly hardcore promoting your business. It's promoting your solutions to people's problems.
1: So we would call that content marketing as compared to item and price Uh, advertising.
2: Yeah, if your listeners are just Google content marketing or content management, there's oodles and oodles of stuff there about what it is, how to do it, and, but do it with a strategy. And, by the way, I was talking about this because I got really excited about it, and <laughs> and I realized my company, this, we weren't doing it for our clients. And I couldn't figure out what the deal was. Well, then I realized if you don't have somebody specifically charged with that, other stuff gets in the road. You know, in our case, it was a board meeting or was an upcoming conference or whatever. And so I found a restructured to have one staff member in charge of content marketing for all my clients.
1: So we're at and, the, just past all, the, the hour.
2: There are all, all services that will do that.
1: Our guest tonight is Steve Drake. Steve is joining us from Fort Myers, Florida. Steve's company is SCD Group. Like. Stephen, I've never known your middle initials. What's your C stands for,
2: Steve? Well, I I got that as uh I got to remember now. The S was strategy, C was content, and D was, I also can't remember now what I got. What i, I got to look at a business card and tell you what
1: I did for it. See what you put on it. But it's SCD Group, and his website yeah. is scdgroup.net. Yeah, it's strategy content email to get a hold of Steve. Say that again? It's... The SCD is
2: Strategy and Discovery.
1: Strategy, Content, and Discovery. Okay. Uh, we give Steve a, a quick break to get himself a, a drink of water here. Uh, and we always throw a, a piece of music in since we do not use sponsors on the program. Uh, and When we think about Steve's initial comments about what do you do and what business you are in, this song makes a lot of sense. I remember when I was a
3: little girl, our house caught on fire. I'll never forget the look on my father's face as he gathered me up in his arms and raced to the burning building out of the pavement. And I stood there, shivering in my pajamas and... Watched the whole world go up in flames, and when it was all over, I said to myself, Is that all there is to a fire? Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is. And when I was 12 years old, my daddy took me to the circus, the greatest show on earth. There were clowns and elephants and dancing bears and a beautiful lady in pink tights flew high above our heads. And as I sat there, watching, I had the feeling that something was missing. I don't know what, but when it was all over, I said to myself, Is that all there is to the circus? Is that all there is?
1: And that's the point where... Steve and I are discussing tonight, when we look at our own businesses, what we provide as a service, what do we sell as a product, is that all there is? Because when we look, become, that's all there is, we have become a commodity, a commodity of product, a, product of, or a commodity of service. And I believe it was the gentleman who was the head of Intel, the computer chip people, who made the the wise statement he who becomes a commodity last is a winner so steve 's list of ten we've t- we've touched on item number ten on the list, helping people to understand what business it is that we are in steve let's let 's go back to the top of the list as as I look at it the first one, two three, four, five. Bear a strong relation to each other, but each of the five are important. So let's let's take and uh, see if we can tackle one through five. If you you'd start with the first one, please, sir.
2: Well, the first one just know and understand how to read a financial statement, so you know where your business is from a from a cash basis, from a profitability standpoint, and and know yep. and get that often enough that you know what the heck's going on. And, and the other important thing is most businesses are going to have some seasonality to their to their financials. So you should know over, over a period of years that if your case is a little short, well, that's, it's always that way in July, let's say, or December. But you need to know that.
1: I know of an accountant who went uh, – a business owner – comes to them and asks them about taking and doing their financials for them, the accountant gives them a 20-question test. And then he grades it. And if the person gets a failing grade, okay, this is just like in school, college or high school. If the person gets a failing grade, the accountant sends that person home with some material to read about understanding and using their financial statements in small business and then invites the person to come back a second time and take a a slightly different test. Same topic, of course, financials in your business, and you take the test a second time. If you fail it the second time, he will not take you as a client. (laughs) Smart guy. His comment is, he says, I don't have time. Well, I would say how he bluntly says it. He says, I don't have time to put up with stupid people. If you won't do something to get better, I don't want to deal with you. I get that. Politely said, I need a, my customer, my client, this is the accountant speaking, to be a person who will want to invest as much effort in his business as I want to invest with them and for them.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and that that relates to the number two, which is the monitor and projector cash flow. I, I don't know of any business or income expense for one-twelfth a month. you got certain months that are going to be high in either income or expenses or both. Um, i give you an example. I'll go back to my brother, the other One of the things he measured is what he called starts. Okay, that's a new patient that's come in and agreed to to the orthodontia. Well, he knows that now he's got them as a client for 15 months, I think it was, and so he can project that income for 15 months. So for his business to succeed now in the future, he had to average, I can't remember the number, but so many starts every month. And so if you're in a business where you need new customers, and you're wanting to track your cash flow, you need to know how many new customers do you need every month or every week to sustain your business.
1: The statistic I share share with people is that of all the small businesses in the United States that fail, 54% have a profit and loss statement that say they are making money when they fold. They are profitable. Well, if over half of the businesses that fail are profitable, why did they fail? It's exactly what Steve is saying. Cash flow. Cash flow is not right. You can go up to the profitsplus.org website, and there has got to be at least 100 articles I've written and some free uh, webinars you can download and some Excel templates and all. Cash flow is the most important aspect of any business that should be monitored.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a crucial one and you gotta look at it. The third the third point related to the first two is setting financial systems that protect you against fraud and embezzlement. Which is one of the things I said earlier in my business I'm managing the money for my clients. So I had like 10 or 11, by the end, different checking and savings accounts where I'm personally, in my mind, responsible for, for their money. And so I worked with a, what's called a certified fraud examiner, which is usually an accountant, but they're certified. And they she set up systems for me of checks and balances for, to give me an assurance that somebody's not going to embezzle me. It's really, it's really surprising when you read news stories about somebody has embezzled, you know, fifty thousand or a million dollars from some company or some business or some association. And usually, if you look, it's because the owner or the manager wasn't watching what was going on, and wasn't didn't have the checks and balances. In other words, when the money came in the door. One person recorded the money came in the door before it ever went to my accounting department. Uh, when
4: the,
2: when the bills came in, the manager of that client had to approve the bill for payment before the county could write the check. The, the county didn't sign the check. I signed the check. So we had all these checks and balances to monitor. You know, one of the other things is when the, when the monthly bank statement came in, it came to me to, or the client manager to review before it went to accounting. So many of these cases of fraud and embezzlement is because they trusted without verifying their staff. And unfortunately, if stuff happens to staff where if it's easy, they can embezzle the money. And it's not like they take cash out of the, out of the cash box so they set up fictitious companies and bill them with fictitious companies going to them. So it's really, really important to, to watch, to set up a system that protects you, the owner, from fraud and embezzlement.
1: You sent me um, a photo of a, an article in the newspaper. And I hadn't told you this in our conversations the last couple of weeks. I want you to tell the story. However, I want to alert you in not saying who it was or where it was because I know who, I know those people. So I'm drawn I have not me. been to their business, but I, I know who that couple is. Even though this art this picture tells who they are. I just don't want to repeat it because I know they read our <laughs> newsletter and I don't want to put the embarrassment, but you know well, it's changing the names as they say on T V. If you would, tell the story about the, the business and the amount of money that was and how it was stolen.
2: I'm forgetting what I sent you, Tom. <laughs> I'm you, having a You senior. sent me
1: one about a bookkeeper for a business? And it said that the uh, bookkeeper had forged checks and stole an estimated two hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars over a ten-year period. Yeah, the bookkeeper was a- able to keep stealing because she was trusted to do her work unsupervised.
2: Yep, and a lot of times, he's in. Some sell them to take vacations because afraid they'll get caught in a vacation.
1: In the financial world, employees are required to take off ten consecutive work days at mm-hmm. least once every calendar year and during that ten days so in essence we've got a two week vacation that person is not even allowed in the building
2: i it's you know what Example, there was an association, uh, their financial person left the employee. So the board just said, Well, let's have the huh. CEO do the finances for a while. And about thirty thousand dollars later they realized they should split those duties to at least people.
1: Mm-hmm. So um, item number five on your list. Uh, I want you to hit that one because I want to tell people also that, as Steve explains this, we have one of the 47 free calculators on the ProfitsPlus.org website that will help you calculate what this is. So, Steve, would you uh, give them number five?
2: Well, I just talk about the tipping point between profit and loss. And, again, you got to know your business and know what your costs are whether it's product or whether it's uh, equipment. In my case, with my business, it was staff, employees. And so it was like one of my friends and mentors said to me, Steve, you're better to be a half a staff short than a half a staff long because you can't afford to have people in your business that are not generating revenue because they're, they're creating costs and they got to be able to generate the revenue to offset it. And so the number they gave me is you should keep your total cost of your staff, that's all their costs, at under at least anything under 60%. You're making money, maybe 65% you're still making money, but if you go up to 68 or 70%, you're losing money. You know, just, just a rule of thumb. So that was one of the things I tried to monitor while I had my business is making sure that I kept, kept that staff, total staff cost at 60% or lower.
1: We need to take and uh, make a quick announcement here about uh, what's going to happen in the program for next month. So let me invite everybody to listen up to what's coming from May. We have a couple of listeners tonight who are going to be our guest experts for the month of May, and they are from Castle Wealth Advisors, and we've had Castle Wealth Advisors on before. Uh, We had Michael Kousher, who was on here, but this month, Michael is going to be bringing along with him John Wheeler. John, you with us tonight? I am. Thank you. Thanks for being with us. Tell us... uh, Tell us about what we're going to talk about uh, in our next program.
4: Um, I'd love to. The um, uh, One of the articles that uh, you had seen from uh, the uh, Gary Pittsford, who's uh, the founder and president of Castle Wealth Advisors, talked about four buckets of financial security. And uh, I think this article is something that Michael and I uh, – when we're working with uh, different business owners from around the country and trying to help them out, uh, trying to help them think about what it is that's really important to them um, and put that in perspective of of like long-term planning and retirement planning and everything else that's going to be happening with them in the future. And uh, Gary's article breaks it out into um, a bucket list or, or four buckets of stuff that are Currently and potentially in the future, are going to be creating retirement income for these owners, and I think that um, it's a simple list. It's it's something that uh, is very identifiable, and Michael will talk about that in a second. But uh, I think the reason that he did this, and I and, and I can see this happening again and again, is that a lot of the owners um, are knee deep in working on a day-to-day basis with their own businesses and taking a few minutes to really think about you know, what retirement means for them and what they're going to be needing in the future and, and how this is all going to work out um, is really hard. They, they, they have a really difficult time separating themselves from their own companies to think about what is my financial security going to look like and, and how is this going to happen. And so the bucket list splits the uh, uh, kind of four biggest potential assets that they might have and how to either enhance those, uh, utilize them, or at least think about them in that way. Um, and uh, the four, very quickly, are the business real estate There's a lot of owners that own their own buildings and their own uh, structures for their own businesses, and and that might be a potential resource for them in the future if they sell it or rent it. Uh, The second is retirement accounts, um, which they may or may not be even participating in, and the idea is to have that available. The third is personal assets that um, are part of their whole net worth, and That bucket needs to really be taken into account. And then finally, and obviously, it's their own business and the sale of that business and what that's going to mean to them um, in the future. And by making the distinction between these and by splitting these out and by thinking about what those values are, Gary's concept is, you know, keep it simple but recognize them and start working on them. Okay. Michael, something you want to throw in on
1: that before we uh, for next month's program?
4: Yeah, thanks, Tom. I appreciate it, and I think John did an excellent job of kind of summarizing
2: that. It's a I, there's going to be some people who probably ask, hey, how is this different than you know? I've heard of the bucket theory before. This is specifically for business. You need to think about. Um, I'm looking forward to, to giving more detail here uh, next month, and uh, I'm uh, just looking forward to uh, having that conversation more in depth.
1: You know, we've always had great audiences when you've been on in the past, and now you bring a bonus to us. Uh, we're glad that you both will be here, sir. I want to be sure to watch your emails for the announcement that will be coming out for the May program, where we will have Michael Kauscher and John Wheeler joining us from Castle Wealth Advisors. So we're going to continue the idea of talking about financial information, uh, things that owners need to pay attention to. And uh, doing so, we're in the list with Steve Drake, his list of what he had originally called the uh, 10 tips for small business. And let's see, Steve, I think we've got time. We can cover... um, Kind of quickly go through like seven and eight because we kind of bounced around the others. Let's let's hit seven and eight here.
2: Yeah, I want to do eight because I think it relates to what John just said about next month's programs. Anyway, I I put eight is what's your exit strategy? I mean, you got to know how you're going to get out of the business. You're putting a lot of time and effort into your business. Uh, and based on my experience, don't assume the kids want it. Uh, you know, so you got to be thinking through what. What's the end point? Am I selling it to somebody? Am I just going to shut the doors one day? Um, how do I get profitability out of it? Um, you know, are you, going to, are you going to use a broker to sell it? Uh, I remember, in my case, one time after working part time for us, my daughter said, "Dad, no offense, but I'm not going to work in an office, so I'm not going to be looking to home to buy the company." And what did your daughter wind up doing? She's a school teacher, which is what her mother was, and so they're both good at it.
1: Okay. So it's kind of like you have a plan when you get into business. You ought to have some kind of a plan as to how you're going to get out. Yep. It's otherwise, like a game. We have a game. We have rules for the game. We have rules all to cover how the how we get to the end of the game.
2: Right, and most of us, you know you're so busy doing it that you forget to take time to think through a plan of what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. In um, some businesses, there may not be to buy potential buyers out there, so you've really got to sort through that. And uh, number seven. Which, and
1: looking at the truth. Number seven, you go ahead.
2: Just You want me to cover seven. Again, it's just don't worry about competition from boxes you so know they're in a difference first place is some people will say you can't race to the bottom and price and it's impossible essentially if you're if they're your competitors to try to match them on price So you got to look at what your competitive advantage is it an experienced staff that can solve problems uh so if you come in and say i need a screw for this they don't just say oh it's over there and i'll whatever they actually help you, help that cons- consumer go over and find out what the problem is and find out if what they think they're looking for is really the thing that's going to solve the problem. You can give
1: them something that Amazon can't give them when you have a person.
2: Yeah. And, or take advantage of Amazon. You can sell some of your stuff through Amazon and have it where they, the customer can come to your store and pick it up.
1: The extent of that is, uh, I'm not so sure it's going to work, but I, I walked into a Kohl's yesterday, I think, for about the first, maybe the second time. Kohl's just announced this week that they have extended their partnership with Amazon to where uh, if you buy something on Amazon as compared to doing whatever it is, that, however they handle their returns, you will soon be able to take your return, no matter what it is, where it, it was bought through Amazon, to a Kohl's store to uh, return it. Yeah, I don't know all the details how far it goes, but I assume there's no money transaction. It's just a handing off a package as such. Uh, Steve, you can squeeze about three minutes in. Uh, Point number nine.
2: Well, again, I think this is, again, a differentiation. So... Are you focused just on a specific area, or are you more of a generalist? And, again, a generalist tends to be a commodity business. Uh, you and I originally talked about She gave a story about the fact that you had a hardware, I think it was, and you were selling paint. Are you, a, are you a paint brand store, or are you a paint store? So you're looking at solutions for the customer, and you find out what paint works for them, not... Well, here's my brand. You can buy
1: it. It becomes known as a business owner knowing how to niche horizontally or vertically. Uh, I'll throw a quick story in on, on on the idea of the niching is that in the banking industry, I read a report that said When a person opens an account at a bank, there is a 90% chance that they're going to leave the bank and take their business someplace else. Something that bank is going to do is going to irritate them. However, if that bank can sell you, and they call them products, five or more items, so one is a checking account, it could be a savings account, it could be a CD, a debit card, a credit card, a safe deposit box, a car loan, a home loan, home equity line, on and on and on, When a bank can get to five or more items being sold to the customer, what was a 90% chance they will leave now becomes a 90% chance they will not leave because that business is so niched into that customer that it makes it challenging for you to go find another business. If we niche ourselves according to customers, as compared to niching ourselves just to products, we create a situation of customer loyalty.
2: Yeah, that's, a, that's a, and that, those are the things you need to know about your specific business. Um, customers, for a lot of us, customers come to us because they got a problem. Uh, They may think they know what the solution is, but it could be you have a better solution for them. Uh, Similar to your story about the swimming pool fence. They they wanted to sell, here's the fence. You know, that's a big box mentality as opposed to, oh, it might be better if we made it another foot taller or whatever. Um, I think that's important things to know and to look at. Um, Know what business you're in, not, not what you do and solving problems for, for customers. I remember when I first started my business, I was bidding on a, an association client, and they had a video. So I was watching this video, and while I was watching it, my wife was reading the paper, and all of a sudden she pulls the paper down and said, you're not taking on another client in trouble, are you? And I said, well, why would they change management companies if they weren't in trouble? And so I felt like I was in the solutions business of helping them solve their problems and get over whatever has been the roadblock to their success, making their dreams fly.
1: That being Steve's point, let me share one item, investing in yourselves, everyone. Um, You have a moment. Go to YouTube and look for a video called Church Tree Down." It's the story of an arborist. And listening carefully to what Steve has told us tonight, think about the point that Steve has so eloquently made to us. That is, what do you do and what business are you in? And when you watch this video of this arborist, people in service business spend an awful lot of time going out giving quotes for jobs. How much are you going to charge me? And people... Get two, three, four, and too often, if they're not impressed with people, they just go for who's got the cheapest price. I'd suggest watch this video and think about this person as you see how he is doing his work and think, now, what what business do you think he's in? That all being said, we have eaten up on our hour for April 25th of 2019. We're thankful that everybody would come and join us tonight, and we're especially thankful that my friend Steve Drake in Fort Myers would come and join us. Let me invite you to introduce yourself to Steve, scdgroup.net. And if you want to listen more to this wise man, you find him, Steve, at scdgroup.net. Steve, thank you, sir. I appreciate you being here.
2: Thank you, Tom. good to be with
1: you. We enjoyed it, everybody. Be sure to join us next month.
0: It has been our pleasure to share fresh ideas and trends from premier small business owners, coaches, and resources. Join Tom Shea and guests next month right here on Small Business Conversations from Profits Plus Solutions. This is PBN, the Profitable Business Network. Visit our website to learn more about us at profitsplus.org. There, you will find our catalog of small business conversations, articles and advisories, news, meeting planners, calculators, and resources. Also, we invite you to connect with Profits Plus Solutions on our various social media channels. Please like or connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, SlideShare, Twitter, and YouTube. We have links to all our social media channels on our homepage at ProfitsPlus.org. Thank you for joining us.